Double Dribble Podcast brought to you by the DS Walk Show and Deep Voice Radio is coming at you in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Yeah, I don't know, Kai. I'm not going to sit here and, um, you know, digest the game in front of everybody yet. I have to see it. Uh, really disappointing, honestly. I think everybody's disappointed. Um, you know, give the Hawks credit. Nate McMillan did a hell of a job. Um, and they, they, you know, listen, this was a muddy, ugly game tonight. And it just seemed like they made the right plays. Um, I just thought, um, you know, we had 17 turnovers. If you if you want to circle one thing, the 17 turnovers, um, you know, we shot what 75 percent from the free throw line. Um, they just had too many extra shots at the end of the day, you know, for us to win the game. But offensively is what to me let us down tonight. You know, I thought our defense hung in there as long as it could. Uh, we couldn't make shots. Uh, I didn't think we trust. Uh, passing tonight, I think is a great lesson for us, but not the lesson we want to learn in the game seven. And um, speaking of the offense, uh, Ben only took four shots. Um, yeah. And he, he, he passed up a dunk late. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is, is there anything that you have to talk to him about, or is that just nerves, or what, what do you think? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, you know, uh, obviously he struggled from the free throw line, and, and that became a factor in the series. There's no doubt about that. I uh, still believe in them, uh, but we have work to do. You know, we're going to have to get in the gym, um, put a lot of work in, um, and, and, and go for it. Thanks, Coach. Tom Moore. Yeah, Doc, it seemed like in addition just to the turnovers, you had some in the backcourt, you gave them easy, easy yeah. layups, and some of yeah. them were unforced. Yeah. They really yeah. crushed. Yeah, you know, Tom, I thought what we had, I think we counted at halftime, we had three fast breaks where we threw the ball away and gave them, uh, I think they got six points or eight points out of it. Uh, same thing uh, in the second half. You know, you just can't turn the ball over in a playoff game, especially in the game seven. And, you know, a lot of that to me came from uh, just not trusting the simple pass, making the, the right plays. Um, and, you know, it's disappointing. We've done it all year. We've trusted all year. We've moved the ball all year. Um, and we just didn't do it tonight. So. Um, you know, that was, the, if I had to say, the most disappointing part of the game, it was that. Thank you. Marcus Hayes. Hey, Doc. Um, I think I heard when you sat down, you said with a, a measure of disgust, 5 for 23. Does that uh, indicate how disappointed you are to lose despite holding Trey Young to 5 for 23? It seemed like you... You're pretty successful with that. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, that's what Ben did, you know, and so there was a positive to Ben, even though, you know, people were upset at him. But defensively, he did his job tonight, you know, on Trey. Offensively, Marcus, we were just bad. Um, We've been a good offensive team all year. Uh, Tonight, we were not. We wasn't even an average offensive team tonight, you know. Not only with just missing shots, you know, I don't know how many point-blank misses we had at the rim, how many uh, fast breaks that we blew uh, in transition where we didn't get anything out of and they got something. Um, 
But the last part of that, we just did not trust each other. We didn't trust the open guy tonight. How much do you think that the... Doc, you think Ben Simmons can, can still be a point guard for, for a championship team like the one you guys want to become? Yeah, David, I don't know that question or the answer to that right now. Um, you know, so I don't know the answer to that. What do you, uh, when you say get in the gym with him, what uh what needs to be done? I mean, obviously this is this is corruption. Yeah, I mean, I, I that's that's between Ben and I. Thank you. Derek Bodner. Hey, Doc, was there a, was there anything you could have done to give Kevin or to give Seth a little more help on uh, on Herder defensively there? Yeah, we tried. I mean, we actually ran someone a couple of times. He was getting late clock uh, shots a lot. You know, late in the clock, swinging it to him. You know, listen, Seth. Some of those shots Herder made were, were just really tough shots. He made a couple over Tobias, he made one over Lou, I mean over uh, George. So give, give him credit. The kid struggled uh, in game six and was phenomenal tonight. So made big shots. Um, he was really like the deciding factor in this game, clearly. Dave McMenamin. Doc, when Joel is put in that position to, to be a playmaker uh, so often, uh, especially with what he was dealing with physically. Yeah. Do you think that that led to the high turnover rate over the? Yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I think I think some of it clearly um, was a factor. Um, you know, but some of it was we we didn't trust either. Um, you know, but listen, he he carried the load all year. He had to carry it tonight. You know, uh, they were sending the kitchen sink at him. You know, um, so it was a tough one. Austin Crown. Hey, Doc. Um, you know, second year in a row where you know your, your teams have been in good spots in the second round, and it's and it's not going your way. Um, is there an element, you know, of, of self-reflection that has to be done in that? And you know, is there other what are the lessons to be learned for you that we lost? And we want to win, you know. Uh, if it was the same team, Austin, I would actually justify that question. But since it's two different teams, you know, um, listen, this team last year got swept in the first round. We had a chance to go to the championship, uh, to the Eastern Finals. I'm not going to make this into a negative year. Last question, Chris Bidlamore. Now, just from the Atlanta standpoint, I'm just wondering if you could sum up the job Trey did, Trey Young did against you, and you kind of point to to that as part of the reason. Oh yeah, Trey was the major factor in this whole series. You know, um, Joel was our guy, Trey was their guy. Um, you know, Trey, when you look at it, he didn't. You know, he had six turnovers tonight. He shot five for twenty-three, uh, but the fact that we had to give him so much attention uh, allowed other guys to get off. So uh, he's definitely their guy. Uh, he's, he's having a heck of a run right now. Thanks, Coach. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Coach. Yeah, I feel you, Doc. I feel your pain, man. But this is the Double Drill Podcast. I'm your host, D.S. Walk. And right before the show started, you heard a clip from 76ers head coach Doc Rivers on whether Ben Simmons is the starting point guard of a championship team. Can he be? Well, man... As we seen yesterday, I don't think Ben Simmons can be the starting power four of a championship team. We know for a fact right now, as of today, he cannot definitely be not the second best player on your team if you had championship.
championship desire. It's just not going to happen. But last night, um, man, it was a rough night in Philadelphia. It was a rough night because, well, let's keep it real. The game might have been good, but it was bad. All right? It was a lot of missed shots last night. It was a lot of... Trey Young going one for 12. It was a lot of Tobias Harris going eight for 22. It was a lot of coaching mistakes, especially on the Philly side where Doc Rivers decided not to take Ben Simmons out with the last six minutes of the game and, and it kind of cost him. And whereas Nate McMillan kind of figured out that, you know, I might need play, might need to play Capella more minutes. And he did, especially down the stretch. Both both coaches kind of figured out that they need to shorten their rotation up. Because this is game seven. This is for your season. Win and go home. And in the case of the Atlanta Hawks, you know, congratulations to them. You know, they went they are heading to their second Eastern Conference Finals in franchise history. The Atlanta Hawks weren't supposed to be here. They weren't supposed to got this far. They weren't even supposed to get past the first round. Let alone, they weren't even supposed to make the playoffs. But the Land Hawks made one key subtraction. And that is they fired the head coach, Lloyd Pierce. And which it was coming because, listen, under Lloyd Pierce, the team kind of underperformed. That's not on Lloyd Pierce. He did what he, he done what he can do. But when you have a young, talented team, sometimes, you know, they just don't want to listen. They think they know it all. So at 14 and 20, they fired the head coach and Sir Nick McMillan. And I like what Nick McMillan said. He's like, the reason why I'm here is because you guys got your head coach fired. He put the honors on his player, on Trey Young, John Collins, Clint Capella, Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter. And the crew, he put the honors on them, held them accountability, held them accountable. And the only way that their season was going to be able to turn around is, well, it would have to be up to the players. And they did. They did that. They made a nice little run. I think they well, they started off with Nate McMillan. I think they won, what, 12 out of 14? Made the postseason. Beat the New York Knicks, who hasn't made the playoffs in God knows how long. Took care of business with them. They weren't supposed to beat the Knicks. To, to all the pundits, they were supposed to lose in five. That didn't happen. They beat the Knicks in five. Beat the Knicks. Now they get to the uh, the second round to play the heavily favored Philadelphia 76ers, who was supposed to beat this team in four, five, or six. Beat them. It's not supposed to be any type of competition. This is supposed to be a walkover for the Philadelphia. This is supposed to be a warm-up to go to the Eastern Conference Finals because whoever wins that matchup between Brooklyn and Milwaukee, which was Milwaukee, congratulations to the Milwaukee Bucks, that was going to be the true test of the Sixers. I guess we were wrong. Because Atlanta Hawks came out one game one. Lost game two, but came back one game three. One, lost game four, but came back one game five. And that's when the series was over with. And I'm explaining to you why. The 70s, the Atlanta Hawks won that game, one game five, and basically won the series in game five. And the Sixers lost the series in game five because of a few things. One, Philadelphia couldn't hit a shot in the fourth quarter. They go on these cold streaks in the fourth quarter where they can have an 18-point lead, 22-point lead, 25-point lead, and they lose them. That's one. Number two, Joe Embiid, because he put so much effort and so much energy in the first three quarters, he run out of gas in the fourth quarter. That's a that's a problem. That's a substitution problem. That's something that Doc Rivers should already know. You know your superstar is going to exhaust a lot of energy in the first three quarters. You're going to have to maybe rest them to start the fourth. Well, heck, you might have to rest them more in the first three quarters. Because when he come out in the fourth, he's cold. Not just come out cold. The entire fourth quarter, he be cold. I mean, we seen it. Was it game five on the pick and roll with Tobias Harris? He missed a point-blank shot at the rim. Something that my grandmother could make. That's two. And the final one, when Nate McMillan 
And I got to say, I, I don't like this, but it was probably one of the best calls. And it's probably what won the series for the Atlanta Hawks. He went to the hack of men. Because there's nothing worse in the NBA than to intentionally foul a player who doesn't have any confidence in his offensive game. That was Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons has been struggling from the free throw line. His, he's only shooting 34.9% at the free throw line in the postseason. That's worse than Ben Wallace, Shaquille O'Neal, and the late great Wilt Chamberlain. Hell, that's even worse than Dennis Rodman. Ben Simmons lost all confidence in the world of scoring a basket. Whether at the free throw line, whether it's um, their offensive plays, he just have no confidence of scoring. So when so when Nate McMillan went to the hack of Ben, it worked. He was either splitting, making one out of two, missing the ball, shooting air balls. It worked. It got so bad that it mainly just got into Ben Simmons' mind. It killed any confidence that he had of contributing to the offense. And that's kind of bad because as great of a talent as Ben Simmons is, when the mental part of your game gets affected, that affects your entire game. He stopped being aggressive. He wasn't trying to go out and score on the fast break. And he just wasn't playing good defense. As a matter of fact, I might have to question that first team all-defensive player because he didn't have it. He didn't even show it. Ben Simmons mentally checked out. Even though he tried. Even though he was encouraged, he mentally checked out. When the Lanhaus went to the hack of Ben Simmons, he checked out. We know it. He knew it. Anybody who watched the game knew it. Everybody. It got to the point where Doc Sim, excuse me, Doc Rivers took him out. I think it was a 6-12 left in the ball game. And even though Ben Simmons got mad because he didn't want to get taken out the game, he was ineffective. If he would have stayed in, he would have cost them the game. In fact, it did cost them the game. And, it, you know, it's just one of those things where it's just a hair scratcher where you are an NBA player. You are, as some people call, a superstar. Or, or even better, a star player. You're the second best player on your team. And you got to be taken out with 6-12 left in the ball game because your head coach is afraid that you not only won't contribute but you will cost the team a win and it happened anyway so uh, i, I kind of agree with matthew johnson said he was on espn first take that yeah this game this series was lost in game five and i agree with that the philadelphia 76ers uh, uh, you know what i'm not gonna go there Bef yes i am gonna go there but before i go there we're gonna hear a clip from ben simmons about his future in philadelphia chris franklin Hey, Ben, toward the end of the game, there were a few chances that were going out there asking trade Ben Simmons and stuff like that. Do you feel like you played your last few minutes here in Philadelphia? I feel like we just lost game seven. Um, that's about it. Right. Would you like just to remain in Philadelphia? Pardon? Would you like to remain in Philadelphia? Yeah, I mean, I love being in Philly. You know, I love this organization. Uh, the fans are great, great people. I mean, I had a bad series. I expect that. It's Philly. Thank you. Ben doesn't want to get traded. He loves it in Philly. Well, Ben, I got to tell you, I don't think Philly loves you today. I think the love that the 76ers fans have for you, I think that's gone. No, I don't think I know for a fact that's gone. And, and, and listen, you had a nice four-year run. But if this team is ever going to get to that next level of being a, ch a true, a true championship contender, Ben Simmons can't be on that squad. He can't be your second best player. He can't be your third best player. And I think a change of scenery for Ben Simmons is would do wonders for him. For him. But I also believe this, Rich Paul, his agent, you're going to have to find Ben the, the best right scenario for him. And you're going to have to encourage this man to get in the gym and work on his mid-range game. Get a floater. Get a secondary shot. And maybe expand to the three-point line. Ben Simmons will never, ever meet his potential if he doesn't work on his offensive game. Ben Simmons will never be, ever be an MVP candidate. Whether it's 
in the regular season or whether it's in the NBA Finals if he doesn't work on his game, if he doesn't work on his offensive game. Ben Simmons, as good as he is, is a damn shame. It's a crime that he's not even better than he is. Sometimes when you see players with God-given ability, God-given talent, and they don't use it, it's a crime. It's a crime. And Shaquille O'Neal said it yesterday on TNT inside the NBA. It's not that Ben Simmons refuses to shoot. It's the fact that Ben Simmons refused to be aggressive. It's the fact that Ben Simmons refused to be an aggressive offensive player. Something that he was been in the regular season. He's no scrub. I mean, Ben Simmons averaged 18, almost 18.8 points per game. Um, that means he almost averaged 19 points per game in the regular season. When he came to postseason, he only averaged 14 points per game. And you telling me, game seven, with your season on the line, you can only, you can only muscle up five points? I mean, for crying out loud, this man passed up a wide open dunk underneath the basket, only to pass it to his teammate, Matisse Thibault, for a difficult shot, even though he got five. So he passed up an easy two, gave it to his teammate, who took a difficult shot, but was fouled. And the result, he only made one out of two free throws. And where Ben Simmons, all he had to do was go straight up for a dunk. He had a six-foot point guard on him, but he didn't want to get fouled. That's the mental aspect of this game. And if you would see Joe MB reaction, because TNT showed it from a different angle, if you if you actually looked at Joe MB when that whole snare went down, he probably was like, man, what the effing blink is wrong with this guy why would he do that and then on top of that, you put your head coach in a difficult situation where he has, excuse me, where he has stuck up for you from the time he got there. He basically accepted the fact that Ben Simmons won't shoot the basketball. So we're going to let Ben do everything else. But then when it came to the playoffs, when it came to the second round, where everything else failed, Doc had nothing to say. You heard the clip at the beginning of my show. He doesn't know if Ben Simmons can be the starting point guard of a championship team because the starting point guards a lot of, of any championship team is contributing on the offensive side of the ball ben simmons is not doing that in fact we're gonna go to clip two because i have mentioned joe mb and they asked joe mb and i want y'all to hear this you know, i was uh i was ready uh you know this whole playoffs uh to just come in and just dominate and uh do what i had to do and obviously uh you know the meniscus happened um it sucks uh, that's, that's a lot. That's a lot to regret. Um, and I guess since this is my last press conference, um, there's a lot of stuff that went wrong. Whether it's the, you know, they can find me all they want. Uh, whether it's the officiating tonight, you got guys fouling, uh, putting their hands up. Uh, you know, me going for a dunk. They don't call anything. Uh, you know, he just. The last three games has been the same way over and over. Uh, and then I get fined last game uh, for having my arms out while I'm getting pushing the freaking back. And I get fined just because I guess I don't know why. Uh, uh, so there's a lot of stuff um, that went wrong. Uh, as a team, we still had to be better. We still had a good chance uh, to win. Uh, we just made, we just, we just made a lot of mistakes, and you know. But like I said, I gave, I gave everything I had. And then, uh, how is the knee feeling like right now? Um, I know you played with it all playoffs. Man, it's a torn meniscus. It's, it is what it is. Um, man, it's, I guess, um, there's a good and bad. Um, you know, the loss. Um, you know, now I can take care of my body. 
um, you know, that's, that's something that I thought hard about, you know, playing on it, um, but ultimately I decided to do it, um, but it was my choice and uh, I got to live with the results, but uh, at the end of the day, uh, when it comes to my future, I'll be, I'll be fine. Thanks, Joe. Kyle Newbeck. Joel, do you want to see this same group back here next year? And what do you think you guys need to be able to take the next step that you've been kind of waiting on for two years? Kyle, I like you, uh, but that's a tricky question. Um, I don't think this is the time, you know, to be talking about, you know, those, you know, those type of stuff. Uh, we had a great group, uh, you know, great guys. Um, you know, on and off the court, uh, I love all of them, uh, and I still believe that. Uh, you know, uh, if I was 100 percent, then you know, if we were just, you know, as a team, we were all together. Um, still believe that we had a shot at winning it all. Um, obviously, a lot of things, you know, didn't go well. Uh, you know. Uh, but um, like I said, uh, me personally, I, with the circumstances, I, I did what I could and I gave everything I had. Thank you, Jeff. Dave McMenamin. Hey, Joel, what was the moment for you personally tonight where your, your belief in what uh, you had in terms of this being the Sixers year turned to the recognition that it just wasn't going to happen? Um, Man, uh, I'll be honest, um, I thought the turning point was, uh, um, you know, when um, we, um, I don't know how to say it, um, but I thought the turning point was just, you know, we had uh, an open shot and, you know, we missed, uh, we made one free throw and uh, we missed the other, and then they came down and scored, uh, and uh, we didn't get a good uh, possession on the other end, and Trey came back and he made a three, and then from there, uh, down four, uh, and then I go, I, uh, it's on me, I turn the ball over uh, and try to, you know, make something happen uh, from the perimeter, um, and, um, but uh, I thought that was a turning point. Christos Santos. Joel, what is the biggest lesson for you on Game 7, especially with the whole series against the Hawks, about the future? Man, it's got to be better. Joe B sound like a guy who's been defeated, who is confused, who doesn't know what to do, but other than just go out here and play. He don't know what to do. He has no answers to help Ben Simmons. This whole process in Philly, it has to be done. It has to be over with. Because now I do believe the front office of Philadelphia 76 have to do right by Joey B. They're going to have to put more talent around him. They're going to have to put shooters around him. You know, when, when it's Joey B and Ben Simmons, everybody has to pick up the weight, carry the slack of Ben Simmons because of refusal to be an offensive threat. This season, Seth Curry had to pick up more slack. Danny Green had to pick up more slack. Prime example, Ty Maxi, the rookie out of Kentucky, he played more. He had to play more because everybody had to pick up a slack of Ben Simmons. It, it's it's a shame where it's 5 on 4 on the offensive side of the ball when Philly got the ball. In this playoff series, Joe and B had to set up the offense. And because of that, resulted in him have 16 turnovers through two games. Eight last night and eight in game six. You know, 
I tried to look look on the other side of things, but a lot of the NBA pundits, they were right. You know, this team as constructed is flawed because you can't have a guy. Number one, your best player is your center. And as good as he is, he, he can't not be running your offense. Number two, you can't have a guy as your number two who refuses to be an offensive player, offensive threat. And and, and number three, uh, Tobias Harris can't be your third best player. Not on the championship team. And that's what ended up being happening. And on some on some occasions, uh, Tobias Harris was your second best player. That That's concerning. I mean, it's good for Tobias Harris, but it's kind of bad for the team because now you're you're not the team that you're supposed to be. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like the, the Philadelphia 76ers are a non-championship team if you don't have a true number two, number three. And, and you know, that's going to be the problem of Daryl Morley on how he goes from here. How's he going to put the right pieces? Or how can he get the right pieces to put around Joe and B? Because that Ben Simmons contract, man, that's me. I'm not saying it's going to be hard to move because any contract in Bay is not hard to move. It's about you're not going to get the value that you want because teams have seen it now. You're not going to get what you want. You probably won't get some ready-made players. You might have to take a low value. And I know that's something no no president or general manager want to hear, but you're not going to get the value for Ben Simmons that you think you're going to get. But I'm not just going to put this all, all on Ben Simmons. The, the whole team as a whole played bad last night. They couldn't hit shot. They looked out of sync on defense. I mean, you let Kevin Hurdle score 26 points, 27 points, excuse me. Clint Capella, he balled. Lou Williams, he made some plays. Gallinari hit some big shots. But Donovich was off last night, and he's one their, he's their number two player. He was off last night. He couldn't hit a shot if you prayed about it. He couldn't hit one. But everybody else for the Atlanta Hawks stepped up last night. I mean, that's here's uh, the game right here. Trey Young, again, I say he was one for 12, and the Atlanta Hawks were down 48-46 going to halftime. He played terrible in that first half. He ended up going, was it like 4 for 22? He played terrible the whole game, but at halftime, the Hawks were down 48-46. Trey Young was 1 for 12. The Philadelphia 76ers shot over 50%. Luckily, I don't know how that happened, but they were only up by 2, and Trey Young was having a bad game. You Do you think that was, do you think that's concerning? He was off. Bogdanovich couldn't hit a shot. Trey Young couldn't hit one either. Both players were off. Both Atlanta Hawks players were off last night. But they was down by two at halftime. And then we came to crunch time. Trey Young hit a 32-footer. A 32-footer. And that was the last basket he, he made. He ended up going 5 of 23, but that was that was the only shot he made. That one shot in the fourth quarter. That was it. For a team that had championship ambition, looked like a team who made the postseason for the first time on the way they played. I, I was listening to 97.5. The Fanatic. Big shout out to them. Ken Ken K, all the boys over there. Big shout out to them. As mad as they were, they could have been even madder, even more disappointed. I heard them, I heard those guys a lot worse than they were today. I kind of thought they was being nice, but they made some good points. One day through with Ben Simmons, but they made a lot of good points, especially on the culture front. Why is Dwight Howard playing in key situations? Well, i like to know that too. I mean, I know Joy B needs a break here and there, and plus we all know that he's playing with a partially torn meniscus, but Dwight Howard was out there in a lot of key situations in this series. Now, yesterday is the exception because he actually played decent, but yeah, he was back to playing that foolish basketball. I mean, you know, if you're the 76ers, man, Daryl Morley, man, you got a lot on your plate. You got a lot to do. You got a lot to fix. But I'm going to take a quick break, and I'm going to come back, and we're going to continue more talk about the Sixers and Hawks game last night. Big Hawks going to get into the NBA Draft Lottery, which is tomorrow. And then we're going to talk about the Brooklyn Nets and the Milwaukee Bucks right here on the Dub Drill Podcast. 
And welcome back to the Double Drill Podcast. I'm DS Walk. And I'm going to spend a few more minutes talking about the uh, 76ers. Then we're going to move on. But this is what I want to say just to uh, wrap this up. I expect the Sixers to be a completely different team when next season come around. I expect Doc Rivers to be a totally different head coach. Because how much I love Doc Rivers as a head coach. His playoff success after Boston has been an epic failure. And he has to fix this whole thing. Because from 2015 now in game sevens, he has lost. He has looked really bad. And you know, anytime you go to a new team, it's a fresh start, a new beginning, a new opportunity. But sometimes your old flaws will follow you to your new start. And with Doc Rivers, his game seven records has followed him to Philly. And I'm not saying that Doc Rivers is a bad coach. What I'm saying is this. If Doc Rivers get into another game seven, next season he's gonna have to do a better job of strategizing rotation everything because as we look at it right now the los angeles clippers are in the western conference finals something that he couldn't get them to the years he's the last six years he couldn't get them there Ty Lu, who was his assistant got them there and for the longest time i defended doc rivers now i can't defend them not when your old team with those same players got to the western conference finals led by your former assistant coach now you in philadelphia bigger uh, not a bigger market, but a better overall team. And you couldn't get your team into the Eastern Conference Finals. Doc Rivers going to have to, he's going to have to change. Sometimes he's going to have to look deep in himself and trying to figure this out. So I expect the Sixers not to be a complete new team on the roster side, but I expect the Doc Rivers to change some things up within his strategy and with his game plan. And right, I'm not going to put all this on Doc. I'm not going to say Doc Rivers is 100% uh, the culprit here. He deserves some. But if he get here next year and he fail, Doc Rivers is going to be on the hot seat. Definitely going to be on the hot seat. And the NBA, they better do something about this foul hunting because it makes the game unwatchable and it makes fans like me, guys who love this game, kind of pretty upset. They got to do something about it because these foul hunting is killing the game. And the inconsistency these referees of letting certain calls go but calling certain calls, that got to be fixed, man. This is terrible. I mean, really, it, it's it's not basketball. Basketball should not be played this way. Basketball should not be officiate this way. It needs to be better this is the greatest this is the best sports in the world you gotta get these calls right you gotta fix this game you gotta make some adjustment i'm sick of this but i tell you what i'm not sick of is i'm never sick of watching a good basketball game from the beginning to the end the Brooklyn Nets and the Milwaukee Bucks game seven on Saturday night, it was the opposite of the Sixers and Hawks game because that game lived up to the hype, if you ask me. Now, I, my brother did watch the game. Shout out to my big brother. You know, I called him yesterday to wish him Happy Father's Day. And by the way, uh, happy related Father's Day to all the fathers out there, to all the fathers that's in my family, my friend. If I don't know you, I hope everybody had a good Father's Day. I had a nice Father's Day. I got a watch for Father's Day. Big shout out to LeRon Young me a watch i appreciate it uh -huh. but yeah my brother's like man that game was kind of boring and and when he said out the telephone i kind of just want to like want to give him the eye and i'm you know but it's asking what the hell you talking about and that was a good game even my niece who's not a basketball fan she watched the game she even said that game was society but yeah kevin durant in a loss had 48 points kevin durant has proven time and time and time again in this series man not only is he lethal but at some point we're gonna have to sit down we're gonna have this conversation about Kevin Durant being the best player in the world, the best player in the NBA. Now, to me, he is. To others, not because he win that chip. 
you, you know the chip I'm talking about, right? He didn't win. The, he didn't win that championship without Steph Curry, without Klay Thompson, without Draymond Green. Could have had it this year, but the universe, the basketball guys were working against them. But next year, bet your ass that the Brooklyn Net is going to be the um, it's going to be the favorites to win the NBA championship. No disrespect to the Lakers, but, but did y'all see the way Cam Durant was balling? All right, he hit a, a, a I don't know type of two point shot that was, but he hit it with his man on him. I can't even I can't even do that move on the court. Kevin Durant played all fifty three minutes in total. Kevin Durant played a total of a hundred and eleven minutes in two games. This man ran out of gas the last three minutes. If he hadn't ran out of gas, the Brooklyn Nets would be in the Eastern Conference Finals. Kevin Durant has carried the Brooklyn Nets in this postseason without Kyrie, without James Harden, Kyrie out with an ankle and James Harden was out with the hamstring injury came back in game six and he was a shell of himself and in game seven he did what he can do he hit a big shot but it just wasn't enough Kevin Durant didn't have the help that he was hoping that he would have but it, in, in some instance, it didn't matter because he was carrying this team. He was carrying this franchise on his shoulder. Kevin Durant did all he can do. And the Brooklyn Nets came up a little short. And now, if you're Brooklyn, you wonder, the what ifs. The what ifs. If Kyrie was healthy, if James was healthy, man, this would have been over in five. Or this might have been a clean sweep. Even if one of them were healthy enough, this might would have been a sweep. But nope, this win seven. Milwaukee Bucks won. Can't take nothing away from Milwaukee. Coach Buzz saved this job. Giannis kind of saved his reputation because if he would have lost in this round, you know how much damage that was done to his reputation? Now he gets the opportunity to play for the Eastern Conference Finals. He got an opportunity to be a champion in the East, but his reputation still can take a hit if they lose to Atlanta Hawks. And you can say this kind of like a revenge game for Coach Buzz because he was the head coach of the Atlanta Hawks not too long ago. So we are no Milwaukee Bucks on coming as a heavy favorite, just like the 76ers were, just like the Knicks were. The Milwaukee Bucks going to have to take advantage of the size that they have, but more importantly, Chris Middleton, Giannis, and Drew Holiday cannot play the same way they play against the Milwaukee Bucks. They're going to have to play a whole lot better on the defensive side of the ball. This is not, I expect Milwaukee to win. I expect this Milwaukee to win in six. Because Trey Young, John Collins, Bogdanovich, they can get you too. But I do expect Milwaukee Bucks to win. And I do expect Giannis to have a big time game. I expect Giannis to be the most dominant player in this series. I expect Giannis to be hell on wheels. But if they lose, if they lose to the Atlanta Hawks in the Eastern Conference Finals, Giannis' reputation is going to take a major, major hit. He's going to be known as one of those players who not he was good but not good enough to get there. It wasn't just like last week that we heard some of the pundits have said that Giannis is nothing but a number two because Chris Middleton is that dude, that number one guy on that team. I think Giannis got something to prove. I think, as a matter of fact, I think Giannis heard that before game seven and he just went off. But Giannis going to have to bring that same energy against the Atlanta Hawks and he has to be dominant. It can be no question marks after that. None. But it's going to be a good one because we all know the Atlanta Hawks are not going to go out quietly they're just not gonna do it and you gotta give it to trey young he's a bona fide superstar we can no longer put him in the category of the stars we gotta put him in the conversation with luka Doncic, deandre ayton Devin booker as the young up and as not the young up and coming superstars in the nba 
the young superstars in the NBA. He has arrived, and he did it at the most important time of the year in the NBA playoffs where you make a name from yourself. This is how you become a superstar. And he has showed up, showed out, and proved to everybody why he is. Same thing with Devin Booker. Same thing with DeAndre Ayton. Congratulations to those guys on that game one victory last night over the Los Angeles Clippers. That's going to be a seven-game fight. And I look forward to watching all seven of those games. Uh, you got to give to the Phoenix Suns a winning last night without Chris Paul. And you definitely got to give it to the Los Angeles Clippers, who are still playing without Kawhi Leonard. But they showed up. There's no quit in the Clippers. And at this point, I don't think if the Clippers lose game two, I don't think nobody's going to be worried about that because they have lost in game twos. And, and they've been down two games to none in the last two playoff series. So if they get down to two games to none, I can sit here and say nobody is not worried about it. Even though Phoenix present a different type of challenge because they can play some D. And they got an inside-outside game. Something that Utah doesn't have. have. Something that the Dallas Maverick didn't have. They got Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton. One guy could shoot in the outside, one guy could shoot in the inside. But here's the presential problem. Both guys can do both. DeAndre Ayton could take it out and stretch it out, shoot a three. Both guys are proven they can get double-digit rebounds. And both guys defensively have stepped up their play on the defense side of the ball. So they so they present a different type of challenge for the Clippers. Yes, on paper, the Phoenix Suns are a better team talent-wise on paper. But this is definitely going seven. And Chris Paul will be back at some time this series. We don't know about Kawhi. But we know Chris Paul will be back. So it's going to be interesting to see how the Phoenix Suns play without Chris Paul for another game or two. And we're going to see can they withstand the charge of the Clippers. Once the Clippers get back home in game three and games three and four, they play a, a whole different type. They play different. Very, very different. It's going to, we're going to see. And one thing about the Clippers is that they role players are not scared of the moment. They will show up. And we're going to finish this show talking about, you know, tomorrow is the NBA draft lottery. Some lucky teams are battling to be the first pick. Well, let's keep it real. The Houston Rockets, the Orlando Magic, the Detroit Pistons are battling to see who would take Kay Cunningham number one. And not only, that's, not, only, not only them, you got the Cleveland Cavaliers, you got the OKC Thunder, the Minnesota Timberwolves, the Golden State Warriors, the New Orleans Pelicans, the Sacramento Kings. You know, you got a lot of crew teams are trying to get that number one pick but there's only one can do it and sitting here as a piston fan who got everything from his toes to his fingers even the dog is wearing piston gear we are pulling and hoping we get the first pick the basketball guys owe us this number one pick now some piston fans want that number one pick but then some piston fans like you know if we get the second or third pick they cool with that i'm telling y'all right now i want the number one damn pick i ain't never cool coming in second or third place i want the number one pick i want Kay cunningham in the piston uniform if we somehow get the second or third pick and we get and we select Jalen green or Jalen sug or uh mobley out of usc yeah i'll be happy with that but it won't be the same happiness that i would have to see k cunningham 
in the Pistons uniform. With the Detroit Pistons getting the number one pick in the NBA draft. We are due. We are old. I don't know what else to say about it. I'm sick and tired of seeing the usual suspects get the number one pick. The Cavaliers. The Orlando Magic. I'm tired of seeing them getting it. I'm tired of seeing Golden State. I'm tired of seeing all these other squads. The Minnesota Timberwolves. I'm tired of seeing these other squads who be getting the number one picks. But not my but not my Detroit Pistons. The last time we had a top three pick, we took Darko and it screwed up our team. That was under old management. But it's a, we're under new management. This is a new time, a new day. Troy Weaver, we need that number one pick. So if you're a Piston fan out there, let's cross our fingers. Let's cross our toes. Let's pray to the basketball gods. And let's get this number one pick. We need Kay Cunningham. I don't know what else to say, but we need Kay Cunningham. If we want to take that next step of being a playoff team in another year, we need Kay Cunningham. We need someone to play with uh, Jeremy Grant, Sadiq Bay, Josh Jackson, Isaiah Stewart, Killing Hayes. Kay Cunningham will make those guys a better player. We need K. So if the best, so if anyone out there in the basketball heavens, if y'all hear me right now, please give my Detroit Pistons that number one pick. Please do. That's been the show, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you guys for listening, and I will talk to you guys towards the end of the week. I'm out. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Double D Podcast, a.k.a. the Double Dribble Podcast, brought to you by the DLS Walk Show and The Voice Radio. You can listen to me on Anchor or on Spotify, and you can follow me on Twitter.